This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Kia ora and welcome into episode 204 of Half Measures. I'm once again joined by my friend and co-host, Dan Whiting-King. Kia ora, Dan. How are you? Kia ora, Paul. I am good. Do you know what? This week, before you even ask me a follow-up question, I'm, not, I'm, I'm coming in with a rant. So I feel like, you know, coming off the hype of the Super Bowl, my my TikTok has been filled with, like, the, the Taylor Swift concerts in, in Melbourne and Stradland, right. you know, I think on our way to Sydney. And like you and I, Paul, obviously big Taylor Swift fans. We've we've both been to the, the concert before. And it just it's like why not like why didn't she come back? It just would have been so good. And I don't know if you've seen that news around that Eden, Eden Park, Park. Yep. has got limited resource consents for how many concerts they can have per year. It was oh, the breaking news on one of the days this week. It was actually the breaking news headline or the you know the leading headline mm. was around uh, uh, Eden Park wants Taylor Swift back and I think it got a lot of people excited and obviously the clickbait made people people think oh maybe she'll come on this tour of course she's never gonna it's never gonna come as part of this tour but yeah the reason why we got to see her because you and I as, as you said we both saw her in 2019 I think it was um, the reason why this time is because of yeah those consents and so they're gonna try and sort it out have you been seeing the videos on TikTok of the concert like it looks so good I'm less cool than you, Dan, as you know, and I spend, I think I've gone on TikTok twice this week. I, I feel like I've had to live it myself because I just go down rabbit holes. But the mm. problem is I now substitute this with Instagram and I mm. sit there on Instagram reels. So that's no better anyway. Um, no, most of my content continues to be office memes, football memes mm. and cat memes. Mm. It's not a bad life to live. Um, but I've, de- I've definitely noticed the like the, the sudden like because obviously we get like the algorithm I'm presuming thread from sort of Australia sort of Australasia yeah. so it, it just kind of like fills up the the page with it and it just it's really got me thinking like that was like honestly one of the best concerts I've ever been to and such a shame um, we're not having round two and it's all down to politics and policies and bureaucratic stuff. Mm. It was a great concert. We've never really talked about that at length, and it's on not on air. But um, I was actually talking to someone this week who's who from my day job is is going over to Aussie to watch it, and they were asking what I thought of it. And I said, you know, I've been to I consider massive concerts like Rolling Stones and Paul McCartney and Oasis and other other artists that I love, Bob Dylan and so on. But Taylor Swift puts on a show like no other concert I've been to. It was a, a real exceptional experience. I guess the the good news is the the Eras tour. I think is coming to Disney Plus pretty soon. So oh yeah, we'll be able to have the the at home experience. I guess there you go. Get your Tay Tay on at home, Dan. I um before we go into podcast talk, I um I also had something I was going to bring to the table. You only because I brought up last time my traffic incident because Dan, I've had another person beep at me and. I feel like maybe I'm actually the problem. Uh, this time was at a drive-thru at a well-known fast food restaurant that delivers less than nutritious food. So you can probably have a good guess about that one. And I was pulling up into the drive-thru and I was one car back from the front and I had my window open ready because, you know, I'm poised. And at that moment, as the window was open, a wasp <laughs> flew into my car and not not only did it fly not like in front of me but as it came through the window and I sort of leant to get out of the way of it it was in between my back and the seat like it's in a high danger zone and so I exited the vehicle very very quickly and my jandal off and was trying to swish it out of the car and then um had the other door open trying to give it plenty of air to get out meanwhile the car in front moved on and I can hear the machine like, uh, welcome to, can I take your order, please? And I'm like, so I, I'm there looking like a crazy person with a flip-flop jando in my hand, shouting my order into this machine from a distance. And to be fair, they could still hear me, which was great. <laughs> um, but of course, for the cars behind, they they could just see that I hadn't gone forward. And so they're just beeping, thinking we've got some lunatic in front of us. 
and but the beeping was then interrupting their ability to hear me on the order machine mm-hmm. and honestly the rage that was fueling me at this point eventually the, the wasp went out and i like to think that in a world of karma that the wasp would not only have flown into that guy's car but also stung him right on the nose but it was it was quite an intense moment having this wasp in i mean i know this is the first world problem but for me this wasp was causing a lot of stress and i could see when i could see the queue of cars as well and i'm just thinking they must think i'm an idiot i I had an initial thought, and then, but I thought you were further up in the drive-through. Like, so for example, if you'd already passed the ordering station, then you could have been like, "Oh, I'll actually, pay for the person's order behind me as well." But then, when you get up to the next window, like, you just take both orders, and then, like, <laughs> so you basically like, you know, like you, you, it costs you, but you've kind of like, you know, it costs. This comes time. from the same road code that you you read out from mm. last time, where you mm. you get the you open the trunk, and I, someone commented by the way, does Dan live in America because he's calling the boot a trunk? Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, the same road code, presumably, to always empathizing with the people who are angry with you. It, so the other thing, so now that I've realized you're now before the ordering takes place. Now, the thing I know about you, Paul, is you, you know, like to live and breathe facts. Like if you say to me, hey, I'm going to be late to the podcast or I can't do the podcast on this day. Like, it's almost like you presume I never just take your word for it. Like, you'll normally send me like a diary photo or like, here's an email I've got from somebody that said, why can't be here? And so I could imagine in this WAF situation, actually, you've you taken a photo or you've actually captured the WAF and you actually have to walk to each car and show them, look, this, this is this is why, this is why. <laughs> but... um. It's because I'm micromanaged. It's because I'm micromanaged in my in my day job, mm. and I can't get away with anything unless I present my manager with evidence of e- absolutely everything. It's just the way it rolls in my. Well, you, in my you should know the the half measures leadership team is very high trust. We, you know, <laughs> we'll always take your word for what you say. That's good. That's what makes this such a, a warm, welcoming place. Dan, let's uh, let's move away from this drive through and wasps and focus on on why we're here. What have you been watching this week? It's funny because I'm I'm still like I'm gonna get there. I'm, I'm just still imagining <laughs> still a hour, um waving his jandal around uh, in the drive-through. Like, I first of all, I didn't even know that Porkinawa wore jandals or flip-flops or thongs or whatever you want to call them. Or shorts, or even shorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah, always shocking yeah. to think of me wearing shorts. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I get that. Anyway, anyway. I digress. All right, so I've got a couple of things for you this week, Paul. The first is uh, a TV series that has been uh, long on my interested list, and I I kind of had a chance to give it a go. So this is a 2022 TV series on Disney Plus called The Old Man, and this is um, basically stars Jeff Bridges, um, John Lithgow, and the the title card of this, which all, like it's it's always a picture of um, Jeff Bridges with his two Rottweiler dogs, and so the synopsis here is a a retired CIA agent is haunted by both the agency he once worked for and his own nightmares when an unknown man suddenly visits him after nearly three decades, and so I I I always thought this was a limited series, but it's actually this is a this is a, a one. This is the first season. There's definitely going to be a second season of this one. Um, I, yeah, for whatever reason, I just, I just I wanted to watch it, but I, I hadn't got around to it, and I finally had the chance. So this is a little bit of a a, a slow burn um, drama thriller, but it's a it's a slow burn drama thriller. Like you know, each episode's about an hour long. And in those in those hours, what tends to happen is like there might be like five minutes of like hardcore, like kind of like action in there. And it's enough. It's one of those TV shows where you're kind of like, like it's slow, we're going along, but then all of a sudden Jeff Bridges kicks it into like kicks up to level ten and it's it's so good. So so basically you imagine. So he's he's retired, like it was it's been a long time since he's been in the CIA. Um, he's kind of living a bit of a recluse life. Um, some stuff starts to happen and some people start to come after him and that sort of requires him to sort of like go back to sort of some of his old ways, go on the run, try to track down some of his old CIA buddies. Um, and they also sort of threw out this story uh, sort of like move back and forth between uh, the past and the future. And so they have different uh, actors playing both um, Jeff Bridges and John Lithgow, particularly in, in their sort of younger versions. But this is a, 
a fantastic Jeff Bridges, John Lithgow series. So John Lithgow sort of, he, he's he's so good. He like he he's so, these two sort of like up against each other. You can both mm-hmm. tell they've got the years under their belt. Like Jeff Bridges, like he's kind of like he's got that kind of like I'm a like like I'm old and I've kind of I've kind of seen some things and I'm kind of nearing that that. that <laughs> the end of it that sounds all very very dramatic but he's but he's still got it like he's so good like you can tell that he's kind of like he's he's got the spy craft down so down pat like he's not kind of maybe is up there from a technology point of view but he's he's a classic like cold war era spy like he knows he knows how to handle himself he knows uh when something doesn't feel right and it's just a it's just a really great kind of series i think the one thing with this series is it's so seven episodes. It it definitely leaves sort of ends on a bit of a cliffhanger. Like there's definitely more more to be told here. Um, but if you like this type of series, I think it would be, I actually think you'd probably quite like this one, Paul. Mm. I think for the the cast alone, um, there's another character or another actress I should give a shout out to, um, Aaliyah Shawcat, who who plays Jeff Bridges' uh, daughter in this, and. Like I most commonly know her from Arrested Development, uh, and and she's George Michael's cousin, and like I'm so used to seeing her in a in a sort of comedy type role where she's always sort of doing these ridiculous over the top things, um, as as maybe Funke, like she's you know convincing a movie studio she's actually like in her thirties and she's like running all these like weird schemes to sort of see her in quite a, a serious role. I think you know really sort of shows the the depth and range that she's got. But I had a lot of fun with this one. It's um relative. I think I watched it over about two nights. Like that's how sort of enjoyable it was i think i got through the first three episodes in no time which is sometimes weird for a show like this when each episode can kind of be about an an hour long and especially when you said it was a bit of a slow burn as well so that's that's also a good sign that it's obviously quite compelling i didn't quite get it when you sort of described the the synopsis like you know an unknown man suddenly visits him after nearly three decades it's kind of like if he's unknown how can it be after three decades but it's because it's someone from the past with his cia connections yeah yeah and so without sort of getting too deep into the story of it it's basically uh as you would imagine from sort of a a cia level someone who's kind of a a deep operative there's there's some shadowy and mysterious things that have happened in the past and this is kind of his past kind of catching up with him um and you kind of go on the journey and kind of unravel you know what did he actually do who's at fault here um, how like is the agency is the CIA going to help him? Are they working against them? Um, it kind of dabbles in kind of like off box uh, or black book type operations where you know they're sending contractors and stuff after him, and it's yeah, like there's a like it's a good amount of tension and it's a good amount of fun. And Amy Brennan's also really really great actress. I remember her from from Heat. Um, Back in the day, and she's been in a, a a few other shows and movies as well. The way you described, um, you know, slow burn, and then Jeff Bridges just ramps it up to a hundred, and it's all on, kind of in a different way. But it reminds me of how we talk about Bosch in terms of it's quite mm. quite slow mm. and methodical, and then all of a sudden it's all action and it's all on. And it's um, it's quite a lot. This is this is a great find. I was just scrolling through all of Jeff Bridges' uh, back catalogue, funnily enough, and this is the first time he's done, you know, he's done the odd episode of TV once in a while, but actual back-to-back episodes and being in the series since the 1950s when he oh. played a young kid. He's just been movies all the way, but he's, um, so this is, in some respects, you could say a debut, you know, um, television series for, for someone of his ilk. I think that's quite good because you just get to, you just get to dive in deep into them and in, in, in a way that we don't often get with actors. And we've talked about this before with Harrison Ford with 19, 1923 and things like that. It's a nice treat. I think too, like, you know, Jeff Bridges kind of has that great Western cowboy vibe to me. And I think like he, he just, just the way he carries himself, the, you know, he's yeah. kind of got that like gruff voice. Um, and it's, you know, it makes me think, you know, it brings you all these different elements of like, you know, like the dude or, you know, when he's in true grit, like you can kind of see this amalgamation yeah. of characters and, and kind of depth to who, who he is. And I, I just think like for someone like, well, he was born in what 1949. So that makes him what about 75. So, yeah. um, 
like and kind of in acting acting terms that's that's still relatively young I guess but uh yeah I thought it was awesome I definitely welcome more seasons you know we sometimes talk about what's a great show to watch with the parentals perfect Mm. this is perfect like there's nothing too controversial in there they'll love the thriller element it's it's got a good story it's um yeah a lot of fun he would be great jeff bridges if he was you know you're talking about that cowboy element and that voice he would be great to come into like a yellowstone scenario you know all the drama of yellowstone at the moment with costner's problems and he would just be a great bring in just absolutely brilliant uh, he he would be so good. He he would yeah suit that universe perfectly. Yeah. Great find. So, and this is Disney Plus, you say? Disney Plus, uh, yeah. So it's called the the Old Man. So a good uh, a good sort of classic spy thriller. The other thing that I've watched is a, a random movie on Prime Video uh, called Bottoms. It's a, a 2023 movie, and. It's it's kind of got a great cast. It's this was a real like random like every now and again you know just the movie kind of appears and you're like you know what I'm just gonna chuck that on and, and see how it goes. So basically the the basic premise of this movie is two unpopular queer high school students start a fight club um, to have sex before graduation. So it's it's kind of got that American Pie type vibe to it in a a way and so it's got this it's got a fantastic cast so one of the names that will stand out straight away to you is um i I never know quite how to say her name yeah um Itaburi, who yeah. who we we most commonly know from the bear, and so her and um, Rachel Sinnott basically play these these teenage girls like, and it's one of those real like over the top like high school kind of movies where the football club wears their football uniform, and I mean full like pads and stuff twenty four seven. So. And so everything in the school is always just like over the top. And so they're basically, the premise here, they, they start this club. It, it's meant to sort of start off as a bit of a self-defense. Then it turns into a fight club. And the whole reason behind it is so they can basically um, create a bit of a, a love interest with, the, with these other girls in the school. And the movie just gets kind of like more ridiculously sort of over the top as it goes on. In the background, there's kind of this rival football um, club who's, you know, having that the twenty year kind of like rematch, and there's all this kind of like drama there, and it's 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 actually one of those movies that's kind of like a bit of a belly laugh, have a fun time. Um, it's it's good. There's there's some really there's some there's some colourful language in there. There's some funny fight scenes. Uh, I had a really good time with this one. That's great. I, I saw this um, movie come up in. Uh discord channel with other mm. people who also happen to just randomly watch it at the same time which i always find fascinating when that happens you know, watching it that week it's brilliant timing um my question is because we've seen this before we talk about it with stranger things and other shows in terms of people playing out of age like both of these leads um are both now turning 30 was it believable that they were high school students that it's sort of no, oh we so no, old now that we just can't tell well like i think not not real. Like you could definitely tell they were too old, but it was once you kind of like work out what genre this movie's going for, like it like it really is going for that kind of um what's the what's the like it's like like what would you sort of define that kind of like American pie type of comedy? That kind of like like it's yeah. coming like of it, age slapstick comedy, but with yeah, a, a bit yeah. of risque in there and Yeah, like, like it, it's really in that in that sort of category. And I think a streaming platform is kind of perfect for this. Like, I don't know if I would have been overly like gone to the movies to go and see it, but like just as a out of nowhere, um, had a great time. Talked to a couple of people who've also watched it. They also had a great time. It definitely kind of, if you're looking for a bit of a, you know, popcorn movie, have a good laugh, feel good. This, this has got a, a lot going for it um, and great cast. And, and written by uh, one of the stars, Rachel Sennett as well. So, mm-hmm. and directed by Emma Seligman, who I've never heard of before, but I can see there's quite a young cast and quite a young crew writing and directing. So that's pretty impressive. I'll tell you, um, our girl from the beer though, like comedy, she's so good. Cause I think she plays such a, a serious role as, as Sydney on the beer. And yeah. to see her in this sort of movie, is a lot of fun because kind of her 
sarcasm from the beer comes out in this, but also so does the comedy, and it just it just works as a as a total package. She will be a thousand percent someone we will be doing a peak performance on at one point in the future because you know she's just absolute quality in the bear, and um, I know people that have seen her in Abbott Elementary have said the same thing as well. So definitely one to keep watching. Just need to learn how to say her name correctly. Is the, yes. the tricky one. Um, so that is Meeple, a TV show and a movie. That movie is on Prime Video. How about yourself? Okay, so just one thing for me this week, Dan. I have watched a whole season of one of my favourite shows, and that is season eight of Shetland. And I will be very spoiler light. Um, so this is the the Scottish police drama set on the island of Shetland. Um, and after seven seasons of following Detective Jimmy Perez around the island of Shetland, this is the first season uh, following his departure. And you may recall that season seven, um, which according to our website, Dan, I see I reviewed in podcast 172. This was my least favorite of the seven seasons at that mm-hmm. point, that seventh season. And I was, it's always... It's always so disappointing. You know, I've talked about it with Star Trek Discovery Season 4. You've talked about it with the final season of Game of Thrones. It's when a show that you really like delivers something that disappoints. So I am happy to say Season 8 is a return to form. And I think one of the best things about this new season for me is that they quickly help you, the viewer who's been there for seven seasons, they quickly help you move on from the departure of Jimmy Perez. Um and I think that's important because for me, in many respects, with due respect to the supporting cast, if you look at the poster, if you look at any of the, he is the show, you know, it always was, you could have almost caught, you could almost have called the series Perez or whatever, you know, like you call Bosch Bosch. It's, um, he's so central. And so they did really, really well to move on. I think with the rest of the support cast there, it's a very vibrant, loud, uh, big city opening for the series in London which is so out of kilter with, you know, the, the rugged, quiet life of Shetland. And then you've got other members, like if you remember Tosh, who's the, the two I see to Jimmy for seven seasons, she really steps up. Her role is more substantial and, and she has more of a leading role, which is great because she's always been a really enjoyable character. And then filling the void, if you like, is Ashley Jensen, um, who you and I possibly know best from her work in Ricky Gervais shows like Afterlife and Extras in particular. And she is great in this role. It's my first time seeing her in a purely straight, serious role. And she was really, really impressive. And the story that they put around her and Tosh and the team, as I say, just takes it in a different direction. And it worked. And I'm just delighted because I was worried that it might not. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think with a show like this, almost like you said, like you almost could just create a new show like why even mm. go through the drama like you could just have a show called Seton or is that, is that our main character Macy Seton or oh so no the, so the new the new character D.R. Calder um, oh D.R. Calder sorry D.R. Like you you, Tosh you, right right so you, yeah like you it's an interesting kind of like test with the audience right like is it worth having all those extra carries that extra sort of characters that kind of help bridge the gap um, and kind of just bringing in a whole new mainly because I'm, you know, seven seasons with with your main actor, that's a lot. That's a big change. So it's, it's great to hear that this is a, a good step up. Do you, yeah, like it's, do you think this is, is this is this a seasonal show where like you could just jump, like you could just jump in at season eight, for example, and, and watch? You could. Um I would I would say in fact if you are just gonna jump in at any point, probably eight is a good place too, because um it's it is a clean start in that respect. Uh and I really hope that there is a season nine. Um I nearly said season two actually, because that's how it feels. Like you were saying, mm-hmm. it's almost like its own show. It feels almost like a spin-off. But it's, you know, like if it was called the book of D.I. Calder, but you know, because there's all these new dynamics and mm. it's not it's also not front-footed by the Anne Cleves, the creator either. It even says in the credits based on characters created okay. by Anne Cleves rather mm. than written by. So there's a few changes there as well. But um yeah, I think I think it would be a good place to 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 jump in. And uh, you know, the Yes, I did miss Jimmy 
and he was great detective and a great you know great actor douglas henshaw and with him leaving all the dynamics of his relationship with tosh and with billy and sandy and everyone it's all gone and the history of his character his family his his brother all of that is lost in fact that's if i'm going to start with a negative thing just to get that out of the way that would probably actually be my biggest thing was that they could have for me done with having mark bonner show up he's the guy who plays his his troubled brother duncan and -hmm. he's been in every season of the series you know even as a cameo because they really clean cut jimmy out to the point that was so deliberate that he doesn't even get a mention and so whilst i praise them for making this great transition from him leaving to this new crew it's also kind of weird to not talk about him at all it would be like if you and i worked in the same office for seven years and then during the initial 12 months of you leaving no one in the office mentioned Dan. That would be that would be weird. Although it's my dream. Who, <laughs> that's your dream. No one. Ever, it's like your man in black Never memory. memory Never white, yeah. Yep. But um, yeah, I, I think you're right. A good place to jump in would be would be right now. Um, and one of the great things about Ashley Jensen coming in is her role in this season is is actually quite nicely wrapped up. So if if this, if they don't make a season nine, or if they don't bring her back for a, a season nine, it won't feel weird. But at the same time, she could very easily show up, and that would make absolute sense too. They've they've done that quite well. There's nothing worse than a, a new season starting, and you know, someone comes in and it's just not believable or whatever. But um, her character is 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 interesting because she gets dragged to Shetland from from london because she's working on a case there but as soon as she arrives it's very evident that not only does she know the island but actually she was born there and mm. so rather than it being a new character joining the show on this remote island um this is someone who many people on shetland know so there's there's lots of dynamics there i just realized then question for you with the english language i just said on shetland should it be in are you in or on shetland i think you're on shetland aren't you you're on, you're on, you're on the island. Yeah, it's an island. Mm, okay, that mm. doesn't make sense. All right. Yep. But yeah, look, as I say, I was very nervous coming back into the series because, you know, in my much talked about league table of police dramas that I, you know, I often talk about, Shetland is in that top half of that table. In fact, it's challenging for a Champions League spot, if you like. So this is a show that really, really, really rates in my world. And so it was really good to have it come back with a strong season. It would be interesting um, to have a police show where, you know, like each season had took a different member of the team's case. And so you you always yeah. had the same kind of like core crew, but each season was a different like lead detective. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it, um, that would be an easy way of because I often think oh, I wonder what stories because I also think how many how many murders can you or murder should i say how many murders mm. can you have on shetland like on this small island it seems like quite a lot but um yeah i'm really glad that this is a show that i mean this is a bizarre thing to say but because it's called shetland that they can carry it on because it still is shetland like i've said it before it really bugs me when they call a show bosch or they call a film solo i, I just think things should be bigger mm. than one character often and so i'm i'm glad about it the one I was just thinking about that. The one other minor thing for me, there are a lot of red herrings and misdirections in this season. And I guess you you could say that it makes it very hard to try and figure out for yourself who who did it or who did what. And so if you're the kind of watcher that wears a Sherlock Holmes hat and you're sitting there trying to figure it all out, you might be a little bit disappointed with this season from that perspective. But if you sit there blissfully ignorant like me and not trying to figure it out, but you're just in for a fun ride um then yeah this is definitely a a recommendation for me this was a season that came out in late 2023 so obviously it won't be eligible for our 2024 list um but it it certainly would have been in contention had i watched it earlier last year but it's it's only just made it to our shores here in aotearoa and you can watch it here in new zealand on acorn tv crazy paul i don't even know how we get i know you've told me before how do you even get acorn tv what you have to do plant an acorn under Correct. a tree on a full moon and then full what? moon or well, looking at the matamataka there's a number of times you can do it but as long as you've put it 
and you water it for six months, you're fine. Mm. Or it turns if you just go to the website and then just use your smart TV app, oh, just like you would like a like a regular person. But you you make your own decisions then how you're <laughs> going to watch Acorn TV. Indeed. Oh, that's very good. That sounds like I'm glad you had a great time. It sounds like an interesting season and uh, great for the Shetland fans. It is, and who can resist that theme song and that beautiful rugged countryside opening credits? It just sort of plays in your mind all week. It's very calming, actually. But yeah, that is me, Dan, other than our Watch of the Week. Yeah, so each week, uh, Paul and I have a Watch of the Week. Uh, If you want to find out what that is, then you should join our Discord channel, where we try to sort of announce our next three Watches of the Week. This week, Paul, we are reviewing Season 1 of Mr. and Mrs. Smith on Prime Video. Correct. Now, you've, you've answered my very first question, which was, is this a miniseries? Is this a season one? I feel like there's more stories here to tell, but also I also need Donald uh, Glover to go away and make this Lando movie, but we'll come back to that maybe. Um, so for anyone who hasn't heard of this TV show, uh, this is about two strangers who who land jobs with a spy agency that offers them a life of espionage and wealth and travel. But the catch is you have to have new identities and you have to be forced into an arranged marriage as part of your as part of your cover. Um Dan. Hi hi. Hi I'll hi. Pass to you. So this is obviously for most people would be familiar with the Mr. and Mrs. Smith 2005 uh, movie with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, which was a, a movie basically on a a similar concept. I think mm. uh, this movie, this sorry, this TV series, I think is is a lot more fun, and it's actually a lot more of a kind of almost a bit of a love story, kind of like with a really healthy dose of sort of action comedy on top of it. Um, mm. I found this an incredibly easy watch. I loved all eight episodes. I'm gonna I'm gonna come out the gates and it's already on my list for as a potential contender for uh top TV show of twenty twenty four. Whether it stays there is is another question. But I, I had such a good time. I really do hope that we do get another season. Um uh, <laughs> I think what's so good about it is I think it's Mr. and Mrs. Smith in a 2023-24 kind of like landscape where you're dealing with all of the sort of the 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 mod con challenges and I think the show does a good job of taking itself seriously but pokes fun at itself just as much and I think they really introduce us to the like two great characters like i i i've got to commend like donald glover like for his portrayal of john smith i i just think he's he's so likable um he's a complete fashion icon he's you know got the, the action down pack and then you pair that with uh maya Erskine's character who plays jane smith and i just think like they they they're so chalk and cheese but she's equally just such a, a fantastic character i have heard people say that um, they really, because you know, originally Phoebe Phoebe Bridge was going to play play this character, and that would have been again an interesting sort of um, comparison to, to Donald Glover. But I I think these two really work, and I just love the journey that they go on from kind of not knowing what the Mister and Mrs Smith program is about um, to trying to you know basically get these assignments done. And I don't know about you, Paul, but like the the there's not enough instructions for me. Like if they say you've got to do A, A, B and C, I need more details than that. But you have to, they have to really think on their feet. It often goes wrong. There's often complications. I think the action is, is really top tier for a TV show. And then all of a sudden, I just think you've got a, a fantastic cast kind of sprinkled throughout it. Like we've got Paul Dano as, you know, the Riddler origin story, just kind of like echoed throughout this this whole thing. Um, we meet other Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I think it's it's it leverages the movie, but it tells a fresh story. And I just had a great time. How about yourself? Well, I'll start by saying that I was not a fan of the uh the 2005 movie necessarily but i thought the premise was always something that really really appealed um and it's actually making me want to go back and watch the original tv show that that the movie was based on and that was scott bacula is that how we say his last name i know we've talked about that before but 
Scott, Scott Bakula, Scott Bakula. He, he was, uh, the original, um, Mr. Smith with, with Mario Bello. Um, and I, I'm really like so into this genre. It's like watching the Mission Impossible films. I want to go back and watch the old TV series, but the premise, as I say, always appealed. And then if you tell me, as you say, Donald Glover is going to be in it as Mr. Smith and is also writing, then, then surely this show has to be a success. And, and, and it was, and equally, as you say, superb is, you know, Maya Erskine as, as Mrs. Smith. I've only ever seen her in, you know, in the episodes of Obi-Wan that her character is in. And I know that she featured in, um, what's it, your blue eye samurai, which I know you're yeah. a big fan of, but I am, um, I thought she was absolutely standout in this and, and she made me laugh so much throughout this this series. That dynamic between the two of them, that chemistry was was just so spot on. It was um, as you say, really easy watch. That's that's something that's I think an underrated quality of TV shows if it's an easy watch. Yeah, I think so. This, and I think because what's kind of interesting about the relationship is it, is I love how it's kind of there's just this tension and there's this unknown and there's this, I think with their relationship because you know the job is not to kind of fall in love, but the job is also to betray that you kind of you yeah to the outside world that you are a happily married couple, and just I think it just deals with those complications really well. And then I think just when you then throw in that the the great actions it's almost in every episode like there's you know we talk about the old like in the old man where it's like i don't know you've got a few minutes of action for each episode sometimes these episodes like you know they might start off with a little bit of a story and then you bam you've got like a a 20 minutes of action gun chases fight scenes it's it's really good they must have had a pretty decent budget for this show for a number of reasons one as you said those action scenes those were quality action scenes as well they weren't cheap or or anything they were really really impressive and also the support cast um you know ursula corbero um who you know who played tokyo from money heist we had ron perlman uh john Turturro, um parker posey alexander skarsgård um some great performances amongst those people sort of coming in in you know just sort of guest episodes and as you say the big one for me uh, in terms of guests was paul dano as that neighbor I thought he was great. He he is always good value. Um, the one that always springs to mind is the War and Peace series, and of course, as you said, more recently is the Riddler and Batman. He 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 was just fantastic. He only showed up in three episodes, and when I saw him early on, I was excited to see a bit more of him. But his character never quite got the screen time I wanted. That would be one little little thing. But um, that the the, the clues in the title. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the Jane and John combo, the chemistry between them had to be spot on for it to work. I just felt that their dynamic was very, very believable. It was very compelling, very endearing. You wanted them to, you know, you wanted them to fall for each other. You wanted it to work and um, just, just superb. I think too, you know, the other person I've got to give a shout out to is Hedo, uh, Murai, I think I saw his name. He's he's the director of a couple of episodes. He wrote a number of the episodes alongside Donald Glover. He's also like you know he's di- he's produced, directed episodes of shows like The Bear, Atlanta. Like there's mm. such a, a fantastic kind of back catalogue of stuff. And I think again, without kind of like like it's a, it's incredible. I think you know Donald Glover. Like you know he's. He's a musician. He's an actor. He yeah. like he's a rapper. Like like he's a, he's a writer. He's a director. And I think it's it's such an like to play all of those sorts of roles on movies is on TV shows is as a credit to him. I mean, just as a side note, he was perfectly cast as Lando because when you think of Lando, you think Agreed. cool. And who's cooler than Donald Glover, right? He's no one. just mm. he, that's right. He's he's just uh, just sort of everything he does, and so that's why he, every time. Jane was cutting him down for doing basic mistakes or just being incompetent or just not being as, as intelligent as her or whatever it was. It was just, um, it was just really a, a very unique vantage point because of course there's not many people in the world who would ever be in a position to have a go at this guy, but yeah, funny, well-written, great performances and just not your run of, what's the you know, run of the mill type show. You know, it's a pretty mm-hmm. unique setup and premise. And I think you said before you used the word unknown or whatever, but yet you're sort of in that unknown space or you're not certain what's going on. Kind of like with 
you know, we talk about Silo, the other show we watched, uh, where you'd never quite know who's running the show and and who, where are these orders coming from? You know, who is High High? How are they watching them so closely? And I love that that sort of that setting, that dynamic, where you're never quite at ease because your main protagonists are in an abnormal situation on many levels and it keeps it very, very tense within the spectrum of an action comedy. I think too, it's it's kind of, you know, great as well that they kind of bring in like what, you know, most normal people would do. So for example, you know, you said at the start to join the Mr. and Mrs. Smith program, you're kind of going to give up your identity and give up everything you know, but you know, Donald Glover keeps the relationship with his mother, talks to her every every week. Uh, you've got yeah. um, Jane um, Maya Erskine, who her character like brings her cat along. So like they've both kind of got these like connections back to their old lives that they just can't get rid of. And I think that's what kind of makes the show a bit more kind of like like that feels like a, a real kind of human trait. And then I think the mystery of the the Mr. and Mrs. Smith program is interesting, right? Because, you know, it could be a show a, a show where you never find out who who kind of runs it. You never find out mm. how deep it is. And, you know, on that note, it just sort of got me thinking that you could actually have each season with diff- different Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Like and you know, that they could they could potentially cross over at some point, but because I That's what I don't nice know idea. is like yeah, like, can you actually lock in, you know, someone like Donald Glover into, like, you know, like doing like five or six seasons of a show like this? Or actually, is there opportunities to really do something creative? And I think, you know, Donald Glover sort of strikes me as someone who's always trying to sort of push the boundary. So who knows mm. where that might go? That's a really great idea. So you have two, a new Jane, a new John. And just like we saw in this season where they met another Mr. and Mrs. Smith, maybe there's a crossover episode where they meet our Jane and our John. I think that's a great idea. Funny thing is, Dan, the first episode as I was watching it, because I was really enjoying it, the first episode where I was like, oh, that wasn't quite as good. And it was a noticeable step down for me was actually when they met the other Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And that had nothing to do mm-hmm. with those performances because both Posey Parker and also Wagner Mora, who I forgot to mention earlier, great actor. He played Pablo Escobar in, in Narcos. Both fantastic performances, but the story was a drop and it didn't interest me as much. But um, I love the idea of multiple Mr. and Mrs. Smiths and having people come into that, you know, into the into the program and seeing if they get through. Because each time you tell the same dynamic, the same premise, and see how different people go. That's a great idea. You should sell that idea. Then they may not have thought of that then. We're working in the wrong uh, industry. It's mm. really got me surprised, I think, at the IMDb results too. So it's sort of sitting yes. at a 6.9 out of Same. 10. And it kind of implies to me that probably not enough people are seeing it. And it also implies to me, like, because you know when you said you didn't like the movie, I, I've only ever seen the movie once. I, I Beyond the actual sort of concept of the movie, I couldn't tell you really anything about it. Like, mm. that, that's just didn't of, land. And so I, land. I wonder whether that's a – it either puts people off or whether it's kind of it's actually maybe not as well known as maybe they think it is or do not enough people have prime video um but either way i hope it gets more eyeballs because i think they're onto something interesting here and i'd, I'd like to see where they take it with these characters or the wider mr and mrs smith universe yeah you're spot on across the board and yeah i'm for it to be rating under seven out of ten on average and is lukewarm and when i talk to people about mr and mrs smith I've been saying things like, oh, you ha- you have to watch this show. And that's not something I've said many times this year, actually. And I and I, I think that's that's a sort of a reflection of of how much of a of a great watch it was. And um yeah, I just I just wonder why it's getting those ratings, because I my only other comment around why it, you know was and this is bearing in mind that by the end of it, they are clearly an item is just how hard out they went for each other when they were both suspecting each other of being the they're sort of trying to trip each other up and get them to fail like it's it's quite a jump and i think they go from all these intense trying to kill each other scenes to the truth serum scene that leads to that rec- reconciliation it's a very big jump and a very quick jump like i that was kind of a little bit like i actually thought oh they're going to end this differently they're going to end this with them not together with them not in any way shape or form friends and i didn't think they'd kill either of them but they did then come back together and that that was a bit of a jump but that's my i don't think that's why people will be giving this low ratings i'm just trying to find reasons why they might give it a low rating yeah i i 
I wonder whether it's more to do with Prime Video. Like, I think, you know, when like every streaming service is basically going up in cost. Like, people, I think, having to make choices around what's the one they kind of follow. And I just wonder, like, and this is... Like I wonder whether sometimes these shows need to be like shopped around different like platforms so that more people, more eyeballs get to see them. But I, that's not really how the model works. But yeah, it's it's a shame because I, at face value, like great cast, like relatively easy concept to understand, good kind of action. Maybe it's just one of those ones that needs a bit more time uh, on the market. Hopefully those numbers go up. Mm. Hopefully they do, but. As you say, if you are wanting to check that out, if you haven't already, we've spoiled a fair bit of it for you, unfortunately. Um, but it's on Prime Video. Um, next week, our watch of the week will be the fifth season of Fargo. That That's available to watch in New Zealand on Neon. And just a, a disclaimer to anyone who's thinking, oh, well, I haven't seen the other four seasons. Every season of Fargo is its own unique story. The only thing that ties it together is that the events always take place in Minnesota and everything's the truth and they just change the character names. But you don't need to have watched anything to go in. You can jump straight into five. So it'd be great to have you watch that and join in with our review next week. Indeed, indeed. So the big question, Paul, what is your pick of the week? Mm. So, yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, it, it really is. I mean, I had a great time with Shetland, as I say, but this was a top-notch series that, for me, like you, has gone on to my top 10 of 2024 list. And I remember last week we spoke off air and I was like, oh, I haven't even started at my list. And I was thinking, what's wrong with me? I haven't got it. And then I realized this is the first 2024 TV series I've watched. Mm. So by default, it's the only one that could be in contention. But all the same, I genuinely think it will be a series that will stay in contention all the way through till December when we announce those winners, which seems a long way away, of course. What about you, Dan? Indeed. Look, I think on the same, I think, you know, I had a really good time with both The Old Man and Bottoms, but... On if I had to compare all three, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, easily, easily a top choice for me. Um, and a show that like I would watch again, you know, right now. Like it, it's it's got some rewatchability. Um, and so yeah, I I can't go past it. Very good, Dan. What have you got on your news desk this week, please? All right. So what do I have? I've got a couple of things. So first of all, it's been award look it's, it's award season in America all the time. But uh we've had the BAFTAs um now and so with that we've had you who would have guessed it? Uh best film, Oppenheimer. So surprise, surprise, their trophy cabinet um is getting very, very full. I thought I'd just rattle off some of the other movies just to see if it sort of, you know, sparks any interest. So outstanding British film. Uh, that was the zone of interest. Um, never heard of it. Um, outstanding uh, debut by a British writer, director, or producer, Earth Ma- uh, Earth Mama. Uh, Savannah Leaf, Shirley O'Connor, Mead Rudin. No, Not no, no bells for me bells either. For me. No. Uh, what have we got here? Best animated film, The Boy and the Heron. Um, very keen to check that out when it comes. Best Director, Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. Uh, Best Original Screenplay, Anatomy of a Fall. Not familiar as well. Best Leading Actress, Emma Stone and Poor Things. Love that movie. That was good. Best Leading Actor, Cillian Murphy. Cillian Murphy, I should say, in Oppenheimer. Um, What else? Best Supporting Actor, Robert Downey Jr. also for Oppenheimer. Um, Original Score, uh, Ludwig Göransson for Oppenheimer again. So a lot of... uh, Oppenheimer Awards, I've obviously skimmed over a number of other awards in that category, but it feels very familiar to a lot of the other awards that have been handed out this season. <laughs> I love the way you say, it's always award season in America. They do have a flurry of them, don't they, to be fair? I guess, yeah. I wonder if it's a bit like, oh, God, like, you know, it's just, the, you know, like it's the same, you know, because it probably is a bit of a pattern, right? Like if somebody's winning the Academy, someone's winning that, you know, so anyway. Anyway, who knows? Uh, next on the news desk, so we have a release date for the Umbrella Academy Season 4. So that will be the 8th of August. So midway, just after midway through the year, so not too far away. So you might have seen on the Instagram a few new character posters coming out. So great, this is the final season as well. So great to, to wrap up that 
story. Uh, um, by the time you're listening to this podcast, you probably would have seen the Borderlands um, movie trailer. So uh, Borderlands is a, a very popular uh, video game. Uh, in this movie, it's going to be starring Kate Blanchett, Jamie Lee Curtis, Kevin Hart. Um, and always kind of approach these with caution, I guess. You know, you never know how a, a game to movie experience is going to go. Quite a star-studded cast on this one, but um, maybe the trailer... Um, once it's come out, will give us a bit more of a feel. Uh, what else? Two other things. So uh, Ridley Scott's Napoleon is getting an Apple TV streaming date that will be coming out on the 1st of March. I wonder whether we need to put that one in the list, Paul. I'm just imagining it in as you speak. Mm-hmm. It's a, I'm, this is definitely one I've, I've wanted to watch at home because I know it's another another long one, So, but very much looking forward to Napoleon. And then the final bit of news is we have had a casting reveal for the new Fantastic Four movie, which will be coming in July next year. So a Fantastic Four First of all, we're going to have Pedro Pascal as Reed Richards. We're going to have Vanessa Kirby as Sue Storm. Eben Moss Bacharach as um, Ben uh, Grime or The Thing. Brilliant. And Joseph, which is going to be great. And then Joseph Quinn, who you may remember from Stranger Things. Um, oh, yeah. As, as Johnny Storm. So I, I love a new Fantastic Four casting. I do feel like Fantastic Four is historically kind of cursed. I feel like we've had so many reboots of this movie. Uh, and every time there, there's hope for greatness. But um, this does feel like a very kind of, um, yeah, like like a big hitting sort of team. So interesting to see what they do with it. It's July next year is not too far away. They must already be quite deep into um, mm. production on this one. Yeah, I think a good observation. This is possibly the most recast franchise sort of, you know, in terms of superhero, like in recent memories, because there's been at least four that we've gone through in the last 20 years, I would think. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But that is me for the news this week, Paul. Anything on your end? Uh, only a couple of things this week for me, Dan. Firstly, the the Blade Runner 2099 TV series. Um, that's a franchise that I've always enjoyed. Um, they've got directors lined up now for the first couple of episodes. Um, so that's always a good sign that things are going ahead. Um, a really interesting franchise, which I think will be as a, as a TV show, just able to go in that little bit deeper could be really, really exciting. And then the, the other thing, which isn't TV or movie related, but it is Star Wars related. So it gets in there is they're making a Mandalorian, um, first person shooter game, uh, respawn, um, which um, which I think is great because I, I, don't, I don't even play these games. I just like watching them. Um, my, my teenage son always plays them. But one of the things that I've heard a lot of people talk about is, oh, you don't want another Jedi Fallen game because you know, I don't want to have to use the Force and all that stuff. I think the idea of the Mandalorian, that even appeals to me, maybe dusting off the old controller and maybe giving it a go myself because the idea of playing as Mando in any environment seems really appealing. I look. I'm going to be there day one for that game. That's that's right up my alley. My one thing is, I kind of want it to be third person because I want to like see my full like. I want to like get new armor, and I want to yeah, like see yeah, my character yeah. with that, and I want to see like my my cape blow around as the wind. My apologies. This is my naivety and basicness. I called it. It actually says Star Wars Mandalorian shooter in the works, and so I've interpreted that to mean first. But it may actually be the third person where you see yourself. Oh, it that would, yeah, it could that be. Would, I guess we don't know. That would seem far more satisfying. Mm. I'm thinking mm. of the old. No, look, I'm, you, uh, I'm Quake, Quake, and um, what was the one before it? Um, uh, Doom or Wolfenstein? Doom. Yeah, or? that's what I'm thinking of. Duke Nukem and that sort of thing. Very good. That's all from me on the news desk. And Dan, we've got the quickest mailbag of all time. All time. Nothing across the socials this week from any celebrities, actors, uh, directors, and, and so on and so forth. Um, so straight to last week's peak performance, which was the late Carl Weathers. Uh, we had uh, Tom, who, speaking of which, went with The Mandalorian and uh, his performances as Apollo Creed in the Rocky movies. Um, Mark 
went with Happy Gilmore and Paddy. Three, two, one of Predator, Arrested Development, and the Rocky franchise was his peak performance with Rocky Three being the pick of the bunch. And yeah, as I say, that's the mailbag this week. Short and sharp, Dan. Time for our peak performance. All right. So uh, each week, much like our Watch of the Week, Paul and I take turns choosing different actors, actresses, directors, producers, etc. And we choose what we think are their peak performance. Paul, this week we are looking at, ironically, Mr. Jeff Bridges. So uh, I'll let you go first this week. Yeah, it was interesting. As soon as I saw your your movie came up, oh, you saw your TV show this week. I was like, oh wow! I just I thought I recognised that name. Now I realise where I'd seen it. I um, the honourable mention for Jeff Bridges um, was tough, as I had quite a few contenders, but in in the end, I went with 1984's Starman, and this this 80s this was a big hit amongst the nerdy sci-fi community in the 80s. Uh, Jeff Bridges opposite Karen Allen. Um, he plays an alien who assumes the form of a human man, conveniently enough, you know, so kind of like uh, Resident Alien, if you know that show. Uh, but the twist is here that he he assumes the form of, of uh, her deceased husband. So this is, you know, obviously very confusing and upsetting, but at the same time, she's not over the death of her husband. So the relationship between him and Karen Allen is is really really good and jeff bridges is is just great it's sci-fi but it's got a real comedy side to this and it's another one of those those movies that um uh, you know as a young teenager i remember watching a number of times and it's always been a favorite jeff bridges role for me um so yeah so that beat off several contenders for the the honorable mention but the the peak performance was like a three second decision for me. As soon as you said the name, I was like, Oh yeah. And this is also a sci-fi movie. And this is also from the eighties. And this is his performance as, as Kevin Flynn in Tron. Um, and look, I love him revisiting this role in Tron legacy a few years ago, but the, the classic 1982 performance is, is always the benchmark for me. Um, about, you know, the movie about a computer hacker played, by Jeff Bridges, who is abducted into the digital world and forced to participate in these games. And the movie could not have worked for me if I did not believe that Kevin Flynn was really inside that video machine and the way he sells it in amongst some very good special effects, but also, you know, when you look back on it, it could be unbelievable from a you know production perspective, but Bridges is just superb in this he's just um and and there was a little treat in tron legacy where he he comes back de-aged as he looks in the 82 movie and i always love that's that those scenes i just i just love tron and and yeah when i think of jeff bridges despite everything else he's done tron is the one i go to so yeah starman and tron i'm guessing dan you're gonna have two different things for me what do you say those are some some great shouts, and you are correct. I do have two different things for you. So, um, my honourable mention is that this is probably a little bit of recency bias, but it's a movie I reviewed here on the pod uh, last year called Hell or High Water. And you know, interesting you mentioned before. You know, wouldn't it be great if we had someone like Jeff Bridges uh, in a you know Yellowstone type type thing like this mm. is Hello High Water is a is a Taylor Sheridan movie so the you know the the lines to cross or the connections to be made are are very small to probably make that happen but in uh, Hello High Water this is a 2016 movie it's this is a, a great movie this is another like great kind of watch basically stars Chris Pine and Ben Foster as two criminals on the run uh Jeff Bridges alongside Gil Birmingham basically play the the cops who are kind of trying to track track them down across the country and I think this is just a classic example where I think Jeff Bridges like really harnesses the the cowboy vibe and kind of straddles the line of 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 kind of good cop bad cop and just just a, a great movie and great watch but my peak performance, um, and this is the same for me, as soon as we said Jeff Bridges, I knew this was going to be the peak performance. It's 2010's True Grit. Um, one of my sort of favourite, more modern cowboy movies uh, where Jeff Bridges plays uh, Rooster Cogburn. 
um, who has basically been been hunted for for killing our, our main character's father. And I just think like Jeff Bridges, hero, villain, in between, he's got it all. He's just, he, he's just fantastic. And I think um, True Grit is obviously a remake of the original, but still a fantastic movie and one that's probably overdue for a rewatch for me. I love that we've got that is me. two sci-fi picks and two cowboy picks. Um, and also Hello High Water, when you make the the Yellowstone connection, Gil Birmingham, again, another Yellowstone connection. It's, um, Indeed. Indeed. It would be really, it would just seem seamless to bring him in at this point. In fact, at this point, it's almost like he is part of the universe. Yeah. At more impact, Hello, Hello High Water could easily be filmed in, uh, you know, down with the, the Four Sixes Ranch. Like it, it just crosses yeah. into that territory right. so easy. Nice. So, yeah. But, uh, Paul, that probably brings us to the end of a, another episode of the Half Measures podcast. It does. Thank you very much for listening in to this week's episode. Do get in touch with us. We do love questions. Um, get in touch at halfmeasurespodcast.com or on all of the socials. Also, a very special shout out to our Patreon producers, Samara Waddinking, Dinah Kanawa, Trisha Brady and Michael Chalmers. Uh, if you too would like to become a Patreon, then you can find those details in the show notes below. Also, remember to come and join our Discord channel if you want to find out what we're watching for our Watch of the Week. Uh, but until next week, everyone, adios.